So, Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you, Lord God, and I thank you once again for this opportunity, Father, to break this bread of life, break it down, Father God, in bite-sized morsels, Father, so that we can take it in, Father God, so we can process it, Lord God, and so that we can begin to understand again your ways, Father God. The children of Israel knew your acts, but Moses knew your ways, Father, and that's what we want to understand, Father God. As it is written, Father God, shall not the judge of all the earth, Father God, judge righteously, glory to God. I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. The reason you can judge righteously is because you are right, Father. You are right, Father God. And I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Father, for this precious, precious time, Father, with my brothers and my sisters, Lord God, as they are preparing to come, Father God, and be a part of the, of the work tonight, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that you that you, you we are established in righteousness, Father God, and because of this, Father God, judgment, Father, has come on the earth, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name for your faithfulness, Father, and how you watch over your word to perform it. I pray, Lord God, that, you, that the hearts, Father, prepared, Father God, to receive, Father, that, Father, that good seed, Father God, that incorruptible seed that never fades and that never disappears and never goes away, Father. We bless you, Father, and we love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, man, you know, it's interesting because I never really, I never try to really, really premeditate anything before before I come in, except, you know, for during that time before I'm going to get ready to do the Tuesday teachings, you know, I just I just keep waiting on the Lord, you know, and, and, uh, and so today... Again, you know, just trusting God, and, and I already knew that the direction God wanted to take us, and we're going to talk a little bit about established in righteousness and why that's so important, and and, and we're going to cover obviously a lot of scriptures, and then we're going to we're going to go into you know the metamorphosis of the mind, and and again because we're established in righteousness, the Word of God begins to transform our minds, as it says in Romans twelve two. But we have to understand that it's important that these foundational principles, and we're going to start with Hebrews chapter 6, or 5.12. I'm going to read this again. It says, uh, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. So again, you know, when, when, when children, when, when brothers and sisters and, and, and our own children, when they're young, it's hard to tell them, you know, things that are going to be hard for them to understand, Right? Because they're still too young. Mm -hmm. And so when the Apostle Paul wrote this, you know, that's what he was encountering. Is that he, he, he was encountering brothers and sisters that should have been more mature in the kingdom of God and in the ways of God. But they were still full of strife and envy and, and, and contentions in their heart, you know, and they're still just acting like babes, you know, babies. And so in verse 11, verse 12, it says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So you should have been already ready to process the stronger understandings and truths of God. But now we got to start again. And now i got to give you milk again. And the reason we're going over this, and, and the Lord is so intent on this, is because, first of all, we can't understand the foundation of the doctrine of Jesus Christ if we've never been taught it. Right? Mm -hmm. 
you don't hear this this kind of understanding and teaching out there in the Babylonian systems, right? They don't they don't teach you like this. They they're going to teach you about <clears throat> how to get involved in their system so you can go through their courses so eventually you can come to that place where you're ready to be considered to be a pastor in their organization. That's Babylon. That's Babyland. And as long as they stay in that baby land, right, they're going to continue to, to as, I, as, I, as I've shared already, you know, that this whole system of Babylon is full of ancestral teachings and understanding. They, they, they're always patting themselves on the back. You know, anytime somebody brings the kingdom of God to them, it just blows them away, mm. right? Mm. Because they can't comprehend and understand this righteous God, amen, and how this order that he set up in the earth, right, to bring the government of God, the peace of God into our lives so that we can begin to be governed with maturity and strength from our spirit and begin to get to this place where we understand strong meat. All right? For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he's a babe. So if you don't even know the foundation, these foundational principles, you're never going to get to that place where you can understand how to use this sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, skillfully. So it says here in verse 14, that strong meat belongs to them who are full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses. Senses has to do with your emotions. And your emotions are part of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And all three of these areas must be renewed to the word of God, right? Mm. And so it says by reason of use who have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So as you start growing up and maturing in the Lord, you you things don't Things don't get by you anymore. What I mean here is that when 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 you know when you were when you were first born again, you know people could tell you just about anything. You know, like for example, and we're going to talk about this. Don't judge, lest you be judged. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And okay, I'm not going to judge anything then. But the scripture says again that that we should judge righteous judgment. Yeah. You see. But we didn't understand the word of God about these things. And so therefore, we just take whatever people say to us that are a little bit more mature than us in age and in experience, and we believe them. And we never took time to check it against the word of God to see, okay, what is the foundation? What does the word of God say about this matter? And so in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1 of Hebrews, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, number one, faith toward God, number two, doctrine of baptisms, number three, the laying out of hands, number four, resurrection of the dead, number five, and eternal judgment, and this is what we do if God permit. So we don't want to go back over this after we've been through this understanding right here. And the thing about it is, is that it's not just something that you listen to and get trained and taught on and then you forget about it. Because you always have to go back to the foundation, right? As the scripture says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So this foundation, these foundational principles are so critical in our lives, in our maturity, in our growth in the kingdom of God and with Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, I already, I already knew, you know, that uh, you know the, the Holy Ghost brought this direction to me, and that again, th these principles are laid in our lives first before we allow other teachings to be added to our lives. Right? So you got young brothers and sisters that, that don't have a lot of discipline in their lives. They don't really spend any time with God. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and they're only dependent on the ones that, are, that have the word of God. And they come here 
on a Sunday. Sometimes they come on Tuesday. They come on Friday. And, and they're getting a little bit of the word of God. But that's not enough to sustain their lives in where they live. Right? In the places that they work. In the places they go to school. Wherever they're at. They've got to go out every day and get this bread of life. Amen? So the thing is, is that because they don't spend time with the Lord and they don't spend time on that foundation and building on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, they get tossed to and fro. They get cared about with every wind of doctrine. They don't know how to, if they get questioned about something, they don't know how to bring out the word of God to deal with the matter, right? And so one time my little boy, right, he was young. He was probably, probably seven or eight or nine, I don't remember, but he made a statement. He says, uh, uh, well, you know, there's more than one gender. And I said, oh, Lord, where'd that come from? I already knew where that came from. Right? That yeah. comes from the world. That's how the world looks at things, right? So then I began to talk to him right then. You know, when they come out with something in their hearts that they're hearing from, from, from the world, they're hearing from their friends, etc., and, and it's not, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. I have to take them back to the Word of God, back to the foundation, amen, and relay that principle, relay that teaching in their lives, lay it, in other words, and, 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 and begin to help them, give them some understanding about what the Word of God says about what he just said. So I had to share with them, no, son, we, 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 there is no two other DNAs. There, I mean, there is no other genders. It's just a man or a woman, right? And so the world is confused about that. It's so, it's not even complicated, right? We know about, for example, our animals, right? That the male will never pair up with another male. Wow. They're gonna fight, they're territorial. Matter of fact, that bird picture that I showed you, yeah. that little bird defends a five mile radius territory. He's the only one for five miles. Any other bird of his kind comes in, he's getting them out yeah. of there, man. He'll, he'll hurt them. Even if it's a female, if it's not his female, you see? And so the point I'm trying to make is that even animals understand how to operate in order and us humans are all confused. And we're the higher order. <laughs> it's pitiful, right? Yeah. But that tells you this corruptible seed that's out there of the enemy, right? That's, that's involved with dropping all these seeds of perversion in their lives. And guess what? When you drop a seed into the ground, it's going to grow. You see what I'm saying? And your heart, our hearts are the ground, right? That's why we must take heed, as Jesus said, take heed what you hear. For whatever measure thought study that you give to it, that's what's going to be given back to you. Mm. You see? So we have to check, check, check this word of God back and forth with whatever we're hearing and whatever's coming at us. I remember one time I was watching this program on, on the Daystar Channel 2. And they were selling DNA kits. You could buy this kit send them a sample of your hair or whatever, and they're going to come back and tell you if you got Jewish bloodlines in your life. That's what kind of foolishness the Babylonian system is involved in. The body of Christ doesn't understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that with those that are in Christ Jesus are the Israel of God, because Israel means to rule as God. That's what he was trying to do in the earth. He was trying to build a kingdom of priests, right? A kingdom of priests that would bring God's rule and God's government into the earth. But they kept turning back to their own ways. They kept going back to their own self-righteousness, which is dead works. God told them a way and a pattern on how he wants them to do it, and they came up with their own thing. Right? And so, again, because they don't understand the foundation, they don't have any way of checking it against the word of God. 
And so all the while, God was trying to build a, build a kingdom of priests. Now, we see in, in, in the book of Ephesians that you are a royal priesthood, Amen. a holy nation. Amen. You see? That we should bring forth fruit, right? Unto our Father, unto God, in other words. After the spirit, though, after the righteousness consciousness, after the divine nature that's in our spirit, not after the self, you see, not after the world, not after their perversions. You know, I get so irritated <clears throat> when I'm in my home, for example, and somebody across the street is playing their music loud. I'll go up and I'll tell them no. You see, because I'll share with y'all last week, whatever you say no to, no. Whatever you say yes to, yes, you're the porter. The porter means the gatekeeper. You're the one that sits at the door in your region, in your area right there. You're the one that's got to establish the rule of God there. Amen. The dominion of God. Amen? Because if you want peace in your life and in your family and in your loved ones and so on, the government of God has to be set. And that's the government of God is Jesus Christ in our hearts. He's the one that's driving us by the Spirit, amen, to bring the rule of God into the earth. But the scripture says, there's two scriptures in Proverbs that talk about it, that if a man cannot handle and manage his anger it, and cannot rule his own spirit, it's like a house that doesn't have walls and doors. Mm. You have to be able to know how to rule in the spirit. And, and I remember when I was growing up, there was this place over there where I used to live in Marshall when I was living there. And my next door neighbor, he had a home, and the house had no windows. They were all busted out. Oh. The door would stay open for days. My God. Right? This individual, he was a Vietnam vet, and he fought in the Vietnam War. And because of that, many of them came back and turned to drugs and alcohol because they could not manage all the shock yeah. of the death the and the bombs and the trauma. They couldn't manage it. They didn't know how to figure it out. Well, us over here in the United States of America, we see that there's a problem, but we still didn't approach it the right way. We should have brought Jesus to him. Amen. We should have brought everything's forgiven, amen. brother and sister. Amen. You don't have to deal with that anymore. You are right with the Lord. Amen. You were, you were under the government of this nation doing what you did, and you murdered and you killed, but God has forgiven you. Amen. That's what the message they should have been given back then. But the point I'm trying to make here is that that's the way the world is, amen. They don't know how to function. And right now we've got all this chaos and confusion. They still don't know how to operate. They don't know how to handle all this demonic activity. Because they're looking at it in the natural realm. But the scripture says the things that you can see are, are, are let's see, the things that you cannot see are eternal. The things that you can see are temporal, temporary in other words. They don't understand about this law of the spirit. They don't understand anything about this. So again, when the foundation is laid properly in our lives, we can use this as a filtering system to weed out false doctrines. You see? And that's the whole purpose of the beginning and the processes. Even in our own children's lives, right? We begin to lay in their lives the right way to function, the right way to handle authority, and so on and so on, because so that when they get out there in the world, they know how to come in and go out. Amen? They know how to function and operate. And so this foundation of Jesus Christ, the scripture says that that these are the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And the word principles, it says here, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Principles is the word arche, which means chief number one. Mm. These are the first things you should have had in your lives. Amen. You see? So these first principles 
are the beginning of God's rule and God's word in our lives. The very beginning. But when you don't even know the foundation and all of a sudden something comes at you where you're looking at television and they want you to send them some money so you can buy a DNA kit to see if you're a Jew. Yeah. You just throw it out there. 30 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. Yeah. I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? You know, send me your money and we'll send you a little bottle of oil you can pray for your family. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. not, as Jesus said, see if I get this right. It's not the gold that sanctifies the temple. It's the temple that sanctifies the gold. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? That means you can go out to the store and buy uh, uh, olive oil and sanctify it unto the Lord because you are a priest of the Lord. Yeah. Set it apart unto the Lord. Now you can use that, amen, in faith toward God yeah. and pray, etc., for people, for your family, etc. Mm. So repentance from dead works is a turning from self-righteousness, from self-consciousness to the righteousness let me see. Return, repentance from dead works is a turning from self-consciousness righteousness to a God-consciousness of righteousness. Amen. So in other words, dead works are self-righteousness. So, And the purpose is that we can be moved far away from the sin consciousness. You see, sin condemns. Mm. Right? It, it, it puts you in a prison in your own mind. And you can't even shake it sometimes. Mm. Right? So dead works are self-consciousness, aware of your own self-righteousness. And this is the conflict in the people who have. Says, well, what, what sin have I caused? What have I committed? Yeah. I'm good. Mm. Right? Mm. They have all these reasons, right? Well, they don't want to receive the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So dead works are self-consciousness, aware of your own self-righteousness. Self-consciousness makes you aware of yourself, which brings you into sin-consciousness. And that's what we need to get away from in understanding the Word of God and what it teaches us about that we are righteous before the Lord. Developing a good self-image. That's what the world's doing, man. They're developing a good self-image and self-consciousness. and the world. But the problem is, is it keeps making them aware of themselves. And, and that's not what we're trying to focus on. We're trying to focus on being aware of God in your life. The righteousness of God. So it's all flipped out. The world in their temporary situation, what they see... And in, in what they see is all temporal. That's what they keep looking at. They don't understand that they need to go inward, amen, into where that divine nature of God is in your spirit. And that's what we need to live and move and breathe from. The scripture says in him we live and move and have our being. Where is him at? Right here in your spirit. That's how you live and move and have your being. So we must live after this divine nature in our spirit and be delivered from a sin nature. So remember, when Adam sinned, he lost the divine nature of God. He chose his life apart from what God said. But when Jesus came, he gave up his life and chose God's life. And because of that, he chose the divine nature. He chose after Amen. the spirit, man. He chose from what's above. Amen? Amen? So the righteousness of God begins to wash our minds of the self-consciousness, which is the beginning of the process of the metamorphosis, which is a transformation of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And as you grow up in the Lord, and as you, do, and as you establish in righteousness, as we're going to see here, and you begin to allow this word to wash your mind of all the filth of the world, amen, 
then you get, you get into a place now where you can handle greater depths and greater responsibilities in the kingdom of God because you have the maturity. The foundation is strong in your life. So God's words teaches us to repent of the dead works of self-righteousness and turn to God's righteousness, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And see, the question is, you know, again, the one nature and the two lives. It's not that, you see, people try to explain why people still sin even after they're born again. You see? And it's not that you've got two natures wrestling here. It's not a sin nature and a divine nature. Because when you got born again, you receive divine nature. Amen. You are right before the Lord. You can come before the Lord. Amen. You see? Because of the blood. The issue is, is that you don't have two natures. You have your life and God's life. Mm. Your life is always going to lead you to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said that when you eat of that tree, you're going to die. die. Not that you're going to die physically, which because all men are appointed to die. It's that you're going to lose. He's going to pull back that spirit that influences you and that, and that animates you and it, and it brings you strength in your spirit, man, to, to motivate you in your soul. You're going to, you're, it's going to withdraw from you. And so in other words, because you've chosen yourself, now you're, you're drawing yourself away from the Lord because you're going your own direction. And guess what? The result is death. Because you don't have God. In other words, God's not with you in that. So God's word teaches us to repent of the dead works or self-righteousness and turn to God's righteousness, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? So we submit to the word of God, which tells us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, we are going to see what happens when we get established in the power and the effect of God's righteousness. Now we're going to begin to talk about judgment versus righteousness. Mm. Amen? Amen? When you're established in righteousness, it, when you are established in righteousness, your view of God's judgment changes. Mm. All of a sudden you understand how this holy, this God, this judge of all the earth operates. Amen? Mm. Amen. In Isaiah 54, 14 it says, In righteousness shalt thou be established. When something is established, it's set. It ain't going to move. Amen? And that's what God is trying to get us to, is that when we're set in our understanding of who we are in the Lord, we have our seal of significance and our value and our importance from our Father. So in righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Look at that. You're not going to have to be worried. You're going to be far from oppression, which oppression here is when somebody's trying to extort you and take you take something away from you. Remember we talked about last week about the knowledge. When you have the knowledge of the holy, you're no longer under the judgment and under the oppression of the enemy that's taken from your life. You see? The world can no longer manipulate you because you have this strong foundation in your heart and your life. You're not worried, for example... I remember when uh, when I was working at this place, this ministry, and uh, they would do all these uh, events, right? And they're having their food, giving more food, and doing all this stuff, right? Good, good, good. I mean, they're good, but they're just not God because the foundation's all messed up. You see, and people get upset with me 
Because, see, I understand that I'm the righteousness of God. I don't need to do all that dead work to prove that I have a relationship with my Father and that I love the people. Amen. You see what I'm saying? And so, anyway, the, the religious system can't understand this, right? And so, therefore, they're operating in the, in, from the perspective of dead works, but you as a son of God and daughter of God realize that you're the righteousness of God and that you're not just going to do it just for, just for the sake of doing something. You're going to be led of your spirit. In verse 54, 17, it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Why are we righteous? Because of the Father, amen? Because he sent the Son, Jesus. And at this time, if you look out there in the world right now, there's tongues out there that are condemning the righteous with the wicked. They're saying the judgment of God is going to come on everybody. But that's not what the Word of God teaches us. Right? One of God's redemptive names is Jehovah said Kenya, which is the Lord our righteousness. Yeah. He has given us a right standard and a right relationship with the Father by a gift. He gave it to us as the gift of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, For he hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why this principle of repentance from dead works you don't repent of your sin. You repent of the dead work. He's not concerned about those that are uh, uh, knowing that they're sinners. He's coming after the ones that are self-righteous. Those are the ones that won't acknowledge his righteousness, yeah. which is Jesus. <clears throat> so Jesus was made sin that we might be made righteous. And what does right mean, righteous? It means you're right. Praise God. Amen. And guess what? You have the knowledge of the Holy in your spirit, man. And that spirit of God, that spirit of God, Holy Ghost, will quicken that word to you to bring a judgment on a matter. Amen. Right? Amen. So we have been made the righteousness and we receive this gift. And so if we've turned from our righteousness unto the righteousness, which is of faith, we have to move in this by faith. Amen. Amen. The religious system, they have to be doing all these works. But as Paul said, I think, or James it says, show me your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Mm -hmm. It's my faith toward God that moves me in righteous works of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So I believe that I'm righteous according to the word of God. Amen? Yeah. And I believe that God's word. So now in Isaiah 54 again, 14, in righteousness you shall be established. You are going to be far from oppression and fear and from terror. It shall not come near you. So no matter what's going on out there in the world, with the coronavirus, with the riots, and who knows what's coming next. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what's going on out there, the Word of God says, in righteousness, I'm going to be established. I'm going to be at that settled place where I don't have to be worried with fear and anxiety Amen. and being all full of stress and stuff going out there into the world. The other day, I went to Walmart over there where we live in Grand Prairie, and I didn't have a mask with me. So I said, so you can't get in here. I went back and I picked this one of these up and I just put it on my face and I went in and went shopping, you know. But what I'm saying is, is that that's the way the world's operating. They're full of fear right now. They're full of fear and they're afraid and full of terror. But the scripture says it's not going to come near me, glory uh, to God. Yeah. And that's what I believe God's word. I don't believe what the world is saying, that if you just go out there and you don't have a mask, you might get sick. I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe him. 
Now, <clears throat> so we have to settle in our hearts that we are righteous. Now, talking about now the law and the prophets. So when we are establishing righteousness, we will no longer be of the law and of the prophets. Now, what does that mean? In the Mount of Transfiguration, it says that verse Matthew 17, 1, and after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringing them up to a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them. The word transfigured here is the word metamorpho, which means metamorphosis. Is where we get the word metamorphosis. It's just like a butterfly that goes through the process of the worm to the cocoon to the butterfly. Eventually, it comes out this glorious, magnificent creature. It's the same process that we go through in that we're now reflecting that image of Jesus Christ in our lives. So it says, And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. So Moses represents the law. Elias represents the prophets. Then Jesus answered Peter and said unto him, Lord, it is good for us to be here. So Peter said unto Jesus, It is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And before, before uh, Peter could finish what he was even thinking about, the voice in Matthew 17, 5 says, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So in other words, we don't need to be hearing the voice of the law. Right? Just for the law's sake. We don't need to be hearing the voice of the prophet just for the prophet's sake. We need to be hearing the voice of the Son. Amen. And the Word of God has declared us righteous before the Father. Amen. And so, and now we got to understand here now, Jesus said that you search the Scriptures and you think that you have eternal life. Eternal Zoe. But then he says, but they are they. Those very Scriptures are the ones that testify of me. Because that's why we want to search the Word of God out to hear what the Lord is saying. What Jesus is saying to our lives. Amen. Amen. For God had justified the world through Jesus Christ. Even today, many of the lives, many live of the law and many live of the prophets. And we are able to hear, the ones that are righteous are going to hear the Son and follow the Son. When you accept the Son's righteousness, you begin the process of being established in righteousness. And when you're established in righteousness, that means you're set, man. Nothing's going to move you because you know you're right before the Father. And no matter what the enemy tries, comes, tries to come to bring you, to condemn you, you know what? I'm righteous by the blood. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to that foolishness. And where is the battleground? Your mind. Right. Where is he wrestling with you? In your mind. This is where you have to cast down imaginations and every high thing, right? That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, in Isaiah 32, 16. Hold on, so, so let, let me back up here a second. So, again now, you're established in righteousness, you're a holy generation, a royal priesthood, right? And as a royal priesthood, we have to be mindful of what we're allowing our lives to be a part of in this world, right? Their music, the world's music's already judged, right? The movies, all the things, you know, that come out of the world, man, there, there's, there's, gonna be a, there's gonna be something. I remember I was watching that the latest Star Wars that came out. Great movie, right? Up to the point at the very end. Two ladies are hugging. And they kissed each other. You see what I'm saying? They don't have a consciousness of God. 
They don't have a consciousness of God, the righteousness consciousness. All they have is self-consciousness, and self-consciousness is going to make them aware of themselves. And if I like you as a man, and you're a man, it's okay in the world, but not in the kingdom of God. You see? So then he says in Isaiah 32, 16, Then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, and in a sure dwelling, and in quiet resting places. Does anyone know what that last part means? If you're dwelling in peaceable habitations, where is your habitation? Your home. Your house. Right? You want things to be at peace there, right? Yeah. You don't want things to be in chaos, confusion. So he says, and my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet places, resting places. Now, who is the one that's inspiring all this crime and all this uh, perversion in the earth? Who's breathing that on them? The devil. That's right. That's right. Now, if you don't, if you're not established in righteousness, then your habitation is not going to be peaceful. Now, who's the one that's doing all the oppressing and bringing fear? The enemy, right? Yeah, See, you have to take dominion and push that back, right? Amen. In the spirit. Amen. Because this is what we're talking about here. Yeah, I want, I want to be at peace at my home and stuff, and I want everything to be right there. I don't want to be carrying, you know, gunshots going off everywhere, people selling drugs on the streets, and prostitution going off, you know. And, you know, I don't want to be living next to all that situation. But if I was, I'm going to sit there and begin to bring the rule of God and pray for my area where I live. And I remember one time when I was, you know, taking pictures and I used to sit up outside all the time and I noticed these guys down the road and they would get in their little, their car, four or five of them, and they would sit there and smoke crack right there and their children were running around the house, running around the, the vehicle with them. You know, and I began to pray against that demon. I call it methe, M-E-T-H-E, because the word for drunkenness, which is the work of the flesh, is the word methe. Methe means an intoxicant, anything that alters your body, your mind. You see? So I started praying against the demon of methe, and then I started praying against the demon of pharmacum. For pharmacum is the word for witchcraft, which is where we get the word for pharmacy. What are they doing? They're peddling all these potions, man. Giving you a drug for this, a drug for that, a drug for this, a drug for that. But then if you look on the fine print, it causes diarrhea, your stomachs might cramp up, your, your gut might shrink, your ears are going to itch. All these crazy <laughs> symptoms. All in the name of trying to make my arm stop hurting. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I started praying against that stuff. And a few years later now, they're gone. Wow. You understand? Somebody had to bring the rule of God there. And we only do it by faith, and we have prayer, and we have binding, and we have loosening. We say yes, and we say no, and I'll say no to all that. Okay. I was telling those devils no. Mm. Amen? Amen. So in the work of righteousness, verse 17, shall be peace. Now, you can't have peace until God's rule and his word is established in your heart. And you're, if you're constantly dealing with condemnation in your life, then that means you're not being established in righteousness. You're not believing what God's word says about you. So the law and the prophets brought us the awareness and the knowledge of sin, damnation, and of judgment, and the sentence of being guilty. 
You see that? Man, how sad a day it is when you're sitting there in court and the judge says, have you, have, you, have you come up to with a decision on the verdict? And it says guilty. <laughs> you see, and that's the way the world is in their attitude. You know, they don't understand that if they had Jesus Christ, they would understand that they're already right with the Father, amen? amen. And so, but through righteousness, you develop a righteousness consciousness, your conscience, that you are free from condemnation of the guilt of sin. You are aware that you are not inferior, and that you have God's favor and that God accepts you through Jesus. God loves you and, have, and you have access to the throne of God. Amen. So in Romans 8, chapter 1, it says there, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? Amen. Who have, how does it say it? There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So that tells us right there that if you're walking after the flesh, you're going to be in condemnation all the time. Judged, guilty, 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 guilty. You're looking at this big old blinking sign, guilty, guilty, guilty. You can't ever shake it. But thank God for Jesus Christ, amen? So we don't have to be aware of the guilt of the condemnation and the damnation. Now, in Psalms 94, 15, it says, But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Glory to God. Now, why does judgment return to righteousness? Where did judgment go? Did it get put aside? You know, what happened to judgment? Why did it why 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 does it have to return to righteousness? What, what's the process here? Where did righteousness go? As the scripture says, there is none righteousness, righteous no not one. Yeah. How and when did judgment return to righteousness? The scripture says in <clears throat> Psalm 14, 2, 1 through 3, I'm sorry, 14, 1 through 3, that the fool has said in his heart, there is no, there God. Is no God. God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none, none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven and the children to the, upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Right? Now, Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 24. I'm going to read all this. And this is where, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 11. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They're, they are all gone out of their own, out of the way. In other words, unto their own way. They are become together unprofitable. They're not useful in the kingdom. There is none that does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. You know what a sepulcher is? It's a grave. A sepulcher is a grave. And, and where, who are in the graves? Dead, dead, people. dead people. That's right. Their throat is an open sepulcher. In other words, everything that comes out of their mouth is death. They have no seed of the kingdom of God. They have no righteousness. They don't have the divine nature. They're just full of perversion. It says there, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. They're always seeking to manipulate, always seeking to get the other upper hand by being tricksters, 
manipulators, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet is swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If you look at what's going on right now in our nation, that whole passage is being played out. They don't have a fear of God. They don't want authority. They don't want to respect authority, right? You know, when you look at the badge of a police officer, there's a statement that says on the very top of that badge, official authority. Mm. Official. What does that mean? When you, again, in understanding authority, we understand that all authority, according to Romans 13:1, comes from God. Mm. What would happen if there were no boundaries? If there were no stop signs? Mm. If there were no lines on the road? Traffic lights. What would happen if there were no traffic lights? Stopping the traffic, go the traffic in the other direction. Chaos. You see what I'm saying? Chaos. Our kids wouldn't even be able to go out to play. You never know, man. Somebody could be coming through here at 90 miles an hour. Yeah. Next time they come here at 10 miles an hour. Nobody, there's no, there's no, there's no not righteous, in other words. Everybody, you know, we humanity right now thinks it's the problem with the police. Mm. But they don't understand the kingdom of God. Because when you get to heaven, you're going to be operating in order. Mm. And if you get out of order, guess what? You're going to get a spanking. Mm. Now, how do we get a spanking now? If we, for example, if you're speeding down the freeway, you get a whipping, you get a $220 ticket. Now you've got to take the time to come off work and go up there to the courthouse and settle the problem. And it doesn't just come that way. It's just a small example. But the point I'm saying is, is that this is where humanity is right now. They don't want to respect authority. Now, Romans 16, I mean, uh, uh, John 16, 13. I'm going to show you something here real quick. How be it, Scripture says, and we're going to, well, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. All right? Not the knowledge of truth. The spirit of truth, being inspired by your spirit. Yeah, it might be true, and you can rattle this stuff off in your head, but if it doesn't have the life of God on it, it's just empty words. You see? The word God here is a Greek word, hodegeo, H-O-D-E-G-E-O. -E means to be a guide to lead one's way, to guide. This is talking about the Holy Ghost now, to be a guide or a teacher. That word comes from another word, <clears throat> all right? Odegos, which means a leader of the way of God. Now, this word, those that particular word comes from two other Greek words, and that's the word hegeomai. And hegeomai means to lead, to go before, to be a leader, to rule, to command, to have authority over. The Holy Ghost is the God. He's the one, and as you look down here, the definition of the Strongs, it says, um, <clears throat> To lead, that is to command with official authority. Who did the Holy Ghost give us? I mean, who, who did Jesus give us in the, in the church? The Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Ghost is only going to represent Jesus Christ. You see? He's only going to take, as you read that, it says, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. He's not going to misrepresent, in other words. But whosoever, whatsoever he shall hear, that's what he's going to speak. And when and he's going to show you things to come. In other words, the reason he shows it to you is so that you can bring it forth to announce it. Well, that's what it means to come, to bring, to come 
Again, it's just to come or go. And it's going to show you, which is the word anageo, which means to announce. He wants you to broadcast something, in other words. And see, all this is a representation of Jesus Christ. And that's why representation and understanding authority is so critical and important for our lives. Because the final and the highest form of authority is the Word of God. And the Word of God teaches us to honor authority everywhere we go. If we don't honor authority, you're, you're, you're speeding or you're trying to go into the Walmart without a... Without Max. They're going to tell you no. See what I'm saying? It's made there to protect us. It's given to us. Now, there is no fear of God, verse 18, 3 of Romans 3, 18, before their eyes. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So in other words, well let me finish. Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no, no flesh be justified. No, no works of self, dead, dead works, self-righteousness. Nothing's going to be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God is without the law is being manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So when you go to that and you tie that into Matthew 17, when the, the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, Jesus was transfigured before them in Elijah and Moses and Jesus. And God said, hear ye him, hear the son. You see? And it says, even the righteous of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So in other words, <clears throat> everything that we have in this kingdom of God, this precious entrance that we have into the throne of God, it's all because of that blood, amen, amen. that was shed on the cross for us. Now, Jeremiah 33, 14, he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto all the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time will I cause a branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days Judah shall be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely, and this is the name where she shall be called the Lord our righteousness, which is Jehovah Sidkenu. Now, it says in a certain day and a certain time, the branch of righteousness, it says here, will cause the branch of righteousness to grow up. There's a certain day and a certain time when that happened, and that was the day when Jesus Christ stepped into the earth and when he completed the work that was given to him by the Father. And it says that he's going to execute judgment and righteousness in the land, right? Mm. Now, again, in the body of Christ, we have the understanding that we're not to be judging, right? Mm. Yeah. You can't judge me. Well, because righteousness is now in the land, Judgment can return to righteousness. Hmm. It's not the other way around. It's not judgment first and then righteousness. If it was judgment first, we would all be dead. As the scripture says, yeah. no one, as it says in Romans, there is none righteous, no, not one. So if it was judgment first, we would never be even in this place to be able to proclaim the kingdom of God. Amen. But because righteousness came in Christ, now there can be judgment. Judgment, judgment returns back to righteousness Amen. we are the righteousness of God and creatures judgment returns back to the body of Christ Amen. you see so it says 
At a certain day, at a certain time, the branch of righteousness, which is Jesus Christ, is going to execute this judgment and righteousness in the Lamb. He shall execute this. In John 7, 24, Jesus said, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So you can't judge righteous judgment if you're not righteous. And to be righteous, this word has to be a part of your life. It has to cleanse your life. See, because if there's any hint of self motive in your heart when you're trying to bring forth the judgment of the word of God against a matter it's out of order man yeah. and that's what that's what the Lord is trying to teach us here is that there must be righteousness first that's why and I'll get into that <laughs> the body of Christ is confused they judge not what it's just judge not that you be not judged but the scripture says judgment must begin at the house of God if we go out there into the world and we're doing the same thing the world's doing, right? We're going to the massage parlors, we're going to drinking, we're going drugging, we're going after prostitutes, and we're trying to tell the world, hey, get your life cleaned up. It ain't gonna work. There ain't gonna be no power, no authority behind it. It's just you in your own self-righteousness. <laughs> now, Matthew 7, 1, Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. For with whatever judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with that and what and with what you measure, whatever you measure is going to be meted, and it shall be measured to you again. And why do you behold the mote that is in your brother's eye, but considers not the beam that is in your own eye? He was trying to tell him here, you can't move in the right proper understanding of judgment if you've got problems in your life, man. That's why this is such a such a sovereign thing, man. You know, that's why God can move in judgment in the earth because of righteousness. In other words, because He's right. He's just. He's righteous. <clears throat> so we are to judge righteous judgment. Now it's from the perspective of righteousness consciousness, not self consciousness. And see, the problem is, too, here is that if the world and, and the Babylonian system and the carnal Christian are ate up with their own selves, they're never going to hear the right way of God, the righteousness of God. Because they're not hearing after their spirit, they're hearing after themselves. They're self-conscious. They're involved in dead works, self-righteousness. <clears throat> Jesus said, my judgment is just or righteousness. He said in John 5.30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. See, if there would have been an ill motive in his heart because he's trying to gain advantage on a situation, then, he, then his judgment would be unjust. And he says here, if I bear witness of my... I can, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. In other words, if I'm involved in self-righteousness of my own self, that witness is not going to be true. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that witness which he witnesses of me is true. Amen? Amen? And it was because he represented the Father that he could come in the way that he did into the earth and, and tell these individuals, you are of your father the devil. Because the works of their father, self-righteousness, is what you're doing. You see? 
He didn't want to accept the judgment of God, right, Satan? He thought he was it, man. Lo and behold, man, when iniquity is found in him, Jesus said, I was there and I beheld Satan fall, I beheld Satan fall like lightning, man. As soon as unrighteousness was uncovered in his heart. So we should judge, we should judge what is being taught as well as the ethics and the morals of the people. But we judge righteous judgment, not according to the appearance, but of the heart as Jesus judges. So in other words, we have to check and balance what we even were hearing and understanding about the word of God. And if we, if we're involved again with our, with our own witness, in other words, judging according to our own selves, not judging according to the word of God, then we've got a problem. Now, in verse 33, 16 of Jeremiah, in those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. In other words, Judah and Jerusalem is the body of Christ today. Right? Because we are the Israel of God. We are the kingdom of priests now that God wanted to establish in that day. But if they, get, they kept getting involved with the world and the contracts of the world. They kept inter, intermingling with the world. You know, yeah, you can, you, we'll, we'll go ahead and endorse you and you can put our banner in our conference, but you got to pay me $5 million. Mm. All this, this wicked practices. So in, in what day now, what day did righteous, did judgment return to righteousness? In other words, the day you see the branch of righteousness grow up in Jesus, 2,000 years ago, in other words, righteousness, that day was the day that the branch of righteousness came into the earth. That was the day and the hour. Now, righteousness is growing up inside of us through Jesus Christ. The branch of righteousness produces the fruit of righteousness in me and in you. In those that are seeking to be washed by his word. Amen. Amen. Because Jesus said, you won't come to me because you don't want your deeds to be exposed. But if it's not about you and it's about him, and it don't matter what kind of deeds you're involved in, you're willing to come to the Lord and get your life cleaned up. Amen. And that's where we get to understand that we attend to the precious, which is God's word, which is Jesus Christ, and don't focus on yourself. Keep looking to this perfect law of liberty, in other words. So now, why has judgment come to America and the world? Why? In other words, because righteousness is established in the mature sons and daughters of God. Is it, if it wasn't for the righteousness that grow, that's growing up in the kingdom of God of those brothers and sisters that are seeking to walk in maturity, there would be no judgment on America in the earth. Because he can't do it if there's not righteousness first. That's why now judgment can be turned return back to righteousness. As it says in Psalm 94, I think it says there. <clears throat> now, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 22, this is, a, this, is a, this is a story about when the angels of God, well, let me just read it, verse 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Will Thou destroy the righteous with the wicked. What a powerful statement, man. Abraham was growing up in the Lord, man. Abraham knew some understanding, understood some things about the Father. And then, verse 24, Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Would thou destroy and not spare the place for the 50 that are therein? And then, verse 25, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. 
and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? How can he how can he do right? Well, because he is right. Everybody else, as it says, there is no not one righteous in their own standing. And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, I'm going to spare them for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Amen. Amen. I'm not righteous on my own standing. For adventure there should there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Will you destroy the city for the lack of five? And he says, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. There's a scripture in Thessalonians that talks about the mystery of iniquity. You know what I'm talking about? I think it's in five. First Thessalonians five, but it talks about the mystery of iniquity. It says it says that that the myth that the how does it say it here? Now I gotta look for it. The mystery of iniquity. Hang on a minute. Man, what you mean you can't find it? Well, it talks about that which until, in other words, that which let, let, until that which let. So the mystery of iniquity is not going to be revealed until that which letteth is moved out of the way. That which letteth is the body of Christ. We're the ones that are holding back the full onslaught of demonic activity in this earth. The righteous are. You see, because what, and because of that, as he says here, I'm not going to destroy the, 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 the righteous with the wicked if it's just 40 and 5. And he kept going down. He says, Peradventure there be 40 found there. And he says, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall be 30 found there. And he said, I will not do it. And if I find 30 there. And he said, Behold, now if I've taken. I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, peradventure that there shall be twenty there. And he says, I will not destroy it for the twenty. Mm. That's a righteous God, amen. First Thessalonians 2 7. Second. Second. Let me look at that one. And then shall that for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed. See, because now when the, when, the, when the righteous are moved out of the way, now judge, God can bring the judgment of God into the earth yeah. in a greater measure yeah. because there's no righteous there anymore. Man, Hallelujah. it's called the eternal judgment of God, amen. It's one of the foundational principles. Now, he says, if I find 20, no, I won't do it for 20. Verse 32, and he said, oh Lord, be not angry. And if I was... And I will speak yet, but this one's peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Now, all Abraham was concerned about was Lot and his wife and his two daughters. Four people. And until they got moved out of the way, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Boom. They got destroyed, man. Right? It was a perverted situation. And, and, and God doesn't change his ways. This is the way of the Lord. You see? 
And so then how can God, how and why can God bring judgments like this to the earth? Why? Because he's right. He is righteous. Now the scripture says in John 16, 8 through 11, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's John 16, 8. The word reprove here is a word to confute and to admonish. All right? He's going to warn them. Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you shall see me no more. See, in other words, I've already done my work to bring righteousness into the earth. Now it's up to the body of Christ to keep on establishing and being established in righteousness, in the right way of judgment because the prince of this world is judge. So see, the enemy has already got the sentence of guilty pronounced on him. There is no changing that. So now if we go look in Isaiah 33, 10 and 11, talking about will you judge the righteous with the wicked, say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. But woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. So because of righteousness being in the land, and you are established in righteousness, then judgment returns to the righteous because we operate in righteousness. If you were operating in your own self-righteousness, judgment can't come. You see? And so in James 3.18, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So those that make peace are established in the rule and the government of God in righteousness. And therefore, righteousness can be sown in peace. So shout out the God of ju the Judge and God of all the earth do right, of course He is, man, and He's given us this way right through Jesus Christ. And the world they can't see it, and they can't understand it. That's why we, the body of Christ, need to grow up. We've got to come to maturity in this kingdom of God. And thank God that we're involved now here in the washing of the water of the Word and the regeneration of the Holy Ghost. God is renewing. That holy, precious spirit in our lives, amen, so that we can move in righteousness and bring judgment. That's why the body of Christ in the very beginning, the apostles were so one and the disciples were so one with the Holy Ghost. That's why they could pronounce the judgments that they did. That's why when Ananias and Sapphira came in and misrepresented the amount that they had sold the land for, because they wanted to keep back a little change for themselves, it wouldn't have been a problem as if, if you would have come up and you said, you know what, I, I sold this piece of land for $200,000. Mm -hmm. right. But is it all right if I keep 50000 you see, or 100000 whatever, you see? There wouldn't have been no problem with that. No. But because they lied to the Holy Ghost, mm. the righteousness of God, boom, sentence was pronounced. You because Herod, right? He declared himself to be God. The worms ate him up, man. Right? Yeah. He died. You see, because he was proclaiming his righteousness and not the righteousness of God. 
So again, the way of God, amen, and how he operates and how he operates in the earth. So we don't have to be concerned that we're going to be judged with the work because we are the righteousness of God amen. in Christ Jesus. Amen? Little more? 50, yeah. All right. <clears throat> so we read earlier about the foundational principles and why, again, this teaching about judgment versus righteousness falls in line with the repentance from dead works. And again, if we're involved in our own selves, amen, the way we, have, the way we perceive and, and the way we look at and view in things that are going on around us are always going to be slanted and jaded, right? Because you're looking at it after yourself. That's why in the world, if you offend me, I got to get you back. Everywhere you go. Because their judgment is not true. It's not righteous judgment. They're not moving from that place of official authority and representing the Lord. So earlier the scripture talks about in Matthew 17 that Jesus was uh, transfigured. Right? Yes. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, this word is used again. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I've shared this before is that there's the blade, there's the ear, there's the full coin. This is, this is the revelation that you're getting right now. It's just a little blade. But as you give yourself to this, if you go watch that video, re-watch it on YouTube, I'll be posting the outline in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the video, you know, the links. Go over these scriptures, man. They're going to bless you, and they're going to keep you, they're going to get you washed and make you realize who you are in the Lord. Amen. So, the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God, amen? amen. There, is a, there is a place that we can come to in the Lord as mature sons of God, daughters of God. Right? Now the word that says here, be not conformed, is the word suskematizo. And it means to fashion a light, to form to the same pattern. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, if there's anybody that I know that doesn't dress like the patterns of this world, it's me. Mm. I could care less, man. <laughs> All I want is my shoes to be comfortable, <laughs> right? My clothes not to be fit too tight. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried if I'm wearing the latest car, if I'm driving the latest car or have the latest watch or gold or all this stuff. You know, I don't want any attention to myself. I don't need that, man. You can't tempt a dead man. If you're walking around as a dead man the way Jesus Christ taught us and the way the Apostle Paul said it, if you're crucified with Christ, then it don't matter what this world thinks and what they think and how they view you. If you're too big, if you're too small, if you're too fat, if you're too skinny, if you're too tall, if you're too whatever. You know? And for my vehicle, I just want it to get me from point A to point B. With the air conditioner and heater. Man, those four things right there. Now, if it's got enough, it's got a radio, that's fine. I don't even listen to the radio. I just put, 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 put the word on all the time or listen to, to, to praise and worship, you know? You know, when I, when I, um, 
Like many times, you know, I'll, put, I'll lay hands on my truck and I'll say, I'll sanctify this unto the Lord. Amen. I do it all the time, you know, for my stuff that I have, my computers, my mouse, everything. I want this to be used for your glory, Father. Amen. Amen. And I believe that you're blessing me and continue to bless me because I continue to offer it back unto the Lord. Amen. If you were to take away all this stuff from me, it wouldn't matter to me. Mm. Because as a dead man, excuse me, <laughs> as a dead man, you can't be tempted. You're not driven by all that stuff. Amen. So the word here, conformed, is to be fashioned like, to conform to the same pattern. Now there is a pattern that the scripture says, God told Moses, see that you make everything that I've given you according to the pattern, the way that I showed you in the mount. Yeah. There is a pattern that we need to be established in our lives, and it's not this world. So again, schema, it comes from two words, from words, one word is schema, which is scheme, as a mode of circumstance, that is, external condition. So in other words, a plan. It says, be not conformed to this world. The word world is the age that we live in. Don't function like this world. It's already judged. Everything about it is, 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 is going to be burned. And the scripture says that, Jesus says, although we're in the world, we're not of the world. We don't operate like them. Now the words uh, transform here. Transform. Conform to this world, but be transformed. That word is a word metamorpho. And it means to transform. To, meta, to metamorphose. When something is meta, metamorpho, it's changed into a different physical form. Especially by supernatural means. To change strikingly the appearance or character of. So in the Mount of Transfiguration, man, something happened. And what happened is the glory of Jesus Christ was revealed out of his spirit. He had the power to do this. He had the authority to do it. He had the will of God, the representation. He was representing the Father. And he took them up to this Mount of Transfiguration to reveal to them, I need you to understand that you need to be listening to me. Don't focus on the law. Don't focus on the prophets. You see? And if you learn how to listen after your spirit, you're going to come into that place where you begin to walk in some maturity and you're representing me the way I need to be represented in the earth. Amen. And so, again, more food is to, to fashion. So don't fashion again. Be fashioned after the word of God, in other words. Now, there are three words, three words translated Morpho. Romans 12, 2 is one of them. We just read it. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Let's look at that one. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are metamorphosed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know, even if you don't, even in there's, there's times when, you know, you don't necessarily feel close to the Lord, right? But, if, but you see, you can't go with that because that is a feeling which is an emotion. You've got to trust God's word no matter what. And so I was sitting there and I was driving over here. And, and I was looking at, at the scripture about uh, shall not the judge of God, the, shall not the God and judge of all the earth do right? Man. You know, that Raymond just got quickened to me. Of course he's going to do the right thing. You see? 
And the thing about it is, when you're slandered to the way of the world, and somebody's bringing forth righteous judgment, you can't hear it. Because your eyes are full of yourself. You're, you're hearing yourself. You think for yourself. That's all you do. You sit there and you take your snaps, you know. You snap in your car. You're doing all this stuff. It's all about me. Wow. For we do the beholding. He does the changing. We go from a place to where we're, we're down here on the earth to now we're elevated in this law of resurrection and we're moving in the spirit, amen. We understand what's going on in the spirit realm. We understand the depths of Satan. We understand that he's looking to make his place in our soul. He wants to dominate and rule through your soul. It's called the thronos, the seat of Satan. And when that place is given to the enemy, he can breathe and bring his inspiration and bring all this lawlessness into the earth, these unjust laws and rules. Now, Isaiah 28, 9 through 13. I was sharing that story about when I came in because when I when that scripture got quickened to me, man, that just a surge of power, man. I began to pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost with some force, you know. And that's how it is. You just need to wait on the Lord until He brings it, you know. So Isaiah 28, 9. Whom shall it teach knowledge? And who's he going to make to understand doctrine? Those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. So who do you wean from the milk? And who do you draw away from the breast, mamas? The babies, right? Mm -hmm. You finally tell them, no, 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 no. <laughs> and, and you see that situation played out in so many ways. You know, I was sitting out there at the house, and you know, I got my bird feeders and stuff, and I'm feeding the birds. And the baby blue jays are now starting to grow up, and they almost look like they're adults. So whenever the father or the mother come around, the blue jays go back into their little row, and they'll start flipping the wings around and feed me. But the mama, they go over there and scold it, and I don't know what they do, but they give it a little jab, and then they fly off. They're trying to wean them so they can begin to do what they do. <laughs> same thing with the blackbirds. All of them do the same thing, man. So precept must be a poem precept. Precept is the word an injunction, which is constitute. When you constitute, that means you, you, you fully assure that individual. You constitute them, you enjoin them, you impart into their lives. So he's saying precept must be upon precept. Constitution upon constitution upon constitution upon constitution. These are the government, these are the laws that we govern our nation right by. You see, the constitution. Yeah. Everybody's trying to disrupt that and misinterpret that in so many different ways, right? Mm -hmm. But we always have to go back to the foundation of what did they originally what say. They say yeah. And yet everybody keeps trying to flip the script. Right? So in other words, constituted in the Word of God over and over and over again, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And verse 11, with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. So in other words, we're moving from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. Amen. And again, I read it in 17.2 of Matthew, his face did shine. Amen? Amen. His raiment was white, pure, man. Amen? So the counterfeit of this transformation is 2 Corinthians 
11, 13 to, through 15. 2 Corinthians 11, 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves, metamorphing them own selves into an apostle of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is also metamorphosed into an angel of light. Jesus said, if it be possible, they're going to deceive even the very elect. You better guard your heart, man. You better stay plugged up to your brothers and sisters, amen. You better receive the correction if they bring it to you. You better stay in line with the Father. Because you're going to get tripped up. That's what he's trying to do. Trip you up. And talking about, you know, false apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the thing is, you don't have to worry about what graces are in your life, what domas. Remember, domas made a gift, made a gift of. Ephesians chapter 4, I think starting with verse 10, and he gave gifts unto men. Yeah. Doma. Gifts to men. You don't have to worry about what your charismas are. You don't have to worry about what the graces are. You don't have to worry about if you're always operating the manifestation of the Spirit or not. It's as you're led of the Spirit. Right? Hmm. And the thing is, is that all you need to focus on is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And whatever you are is going to begin to manifest itself on its own. You don't have to put the tag on yourself, as these false apostles do, false prophets, evangelists, whatever. I remember I read this uh, post one time about this famous minister out there. He's a brother, but, you know, misled, Babylon. And in his little biology or biograph of himself, it says that he's an apostle that operates in all fivefold gifts of the Doma ministry. He's an apostle that operates as an apostle, prophet, and shepherd teacher. Well, first of all, God didn't give that grace to any but one man. His name was Jesus. He's the one that gave the gifts when he ascended. You see? And so, the point I'm trying to make is that just because you call yourself that, that doesn't mean what you, that's what you are. <laughs> I mean, I could call myself a plumber, but I'm not a plumber. An electrician, but I'm not an electrician. I could call myself as a guy that knows how to do sheetrock. I can't do none of that stuff. I'm not graced for that. As a matter of fact, on Friday we had a brother that I know come over and he helped me replace some sinks, you know, faucets, because they were leaking, fix the toilet, fix the water disposal. All that stuff was messed up, man, the plumbing. But he's got the grace for it. Man, he got down there and he, man, he was there for hours, man, all day Friday. <clears throat> the point I'm making is that I'm not graceful. That that doesn't mean I couldn't learn and help and do my part, which I did. If you needed something, he was down there. I'd give it to him, whatever. But we have to know our metrons, right? The metron is your boundary. Amatros is when you're out of bounds. Second Corinthians 10. So it says again, marvel, don't marvel, don't be freaking out here, because Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. You better be watching this stuff, man. All this stuff. As Jesus said, they're going to tell you, lo, here's Christ, and lo, there's Christ. Don't believe it, man. Check it with the Word of God. I mean, you can sit there. Like the other day, I was watching this one little video, and it's talking about why they don't listen to certain type of really, really popular worship teams and music. Then I went and looked at their website, and the brother is a Baptist brother. But the thing is, is that how can he make a righteous judgment if he's already slanted against the word of God in so many ways? For example, like speaking in tongues. 
Right? They don't believe that to the government. And their traditional doctrines. So how can he make a right judgment about whatever? He's not judging righteously. But I know the principles of the word of God. Therefore, after I realize that, I don't even listen to this anymore. You see? It helps you, guides you. So the renewing of your mind, the word uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing, it means renovation. In other words, all the old perverted seed that's in there, all the old ways and our lifestyles and everything that's contrary to the word of God, all that's got to be torn down. And of course, built up with this word of God. So <clears throat> it's got to be new and it's got to be fresh. I mean, the renewing of your mind means that you've got to allow the freshness of that word of God, the purity of the word of God. The scripture says, desire the sincere milk of the word. Amen. Yes. You can't grow without this word in the Lord. You can grow in the world. <laughs> so you are called to renew your mind, not everybody else's. In other words, you've got to get yourself in order and, 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 and understand your part in the Lord. And then when you're walking in some maturity, then you can begin to impart. Jesus didn't do it any other way. He let he, these guys were with them three and a half years, man. They couldn't even understand them. How come we couldn't cast out devil He said, this kind. Right? Mm -hmm. They didn't understand that yet. So the mind is the intellect, the mind, what you what you what the, the mind wants to come to understanding. He does that through many facets and avenues. Now that doesn't mean like, for example, my son, he likes to draw and stuff. So I want to help him, and I want to help him understand Photoshop, right? So he can learn how to manage, and there's just so many powerful things you can do in Photoshop, right? Mm. And it's funny because, like, we'll see this nice commercial on television about some food. You know, the, the, the bun looks good, it's all glazed, the meat looks all greasy and good, and the lettuce is all nice and crispy and green, the tomatoes look nice and sharp with little bubbles of water on them. Yep. <laughs> he says, Papa, that's false advertising. <laughs> Because you ain't going to get that if you go to Wendy's. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, yeah, man. And then they want you then say, you want the junior, you want the medium. You want, oh, my God. And guess what? There's a lot of charge going up from one level to the next. Now, Psalm 119, level one was done here. Psalm 119. Well, I'm just going to read what it says here. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, amen. Proverbs 4, 20 and 23. Proverbs 4, 20. Let me read that one. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear to my saying. And we don't want to just hear foolishly. We want to hear with intelligence, right? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times my, little, my sons, you know. And I got grace for it, but they're growing up, and I keep telling them the same thing over and over. You know, if I give them two or three commands in order, they'll end up forgetting the first one, but they'll remember the last one. And what else did you say for me to do, Papa? Now, I know that when I'm in a new company and stuff, man, I'm taking all kinds of know when I get started, right? Because I want to understand the process. I don't want to have to come back and re-ask you again. Yeah, or, or again. Yeah. So it says, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them in health to all their flesh. Health here is the word medicine, a cure. Amen? Amen. 
Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Amen. These things that pertain to life and godliness, amen, these come from our spirit, man. And we've got to keep your, our hearts. The scripture says in James 1.21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The word engrafted here, when you graft something into a plant, you have to cut the plant. And that's what the Word of God does here when it's correcting your lives because you're, you know, you're hearing something and you didn't think like that before. Now you're thinking according to the Word. It's cutting you. It's coming in there and it's implanting itself in your heart. And if you allow that Word before you know it, again, engrafted means to pluff up, to blow up, to germinate. It will produce righteous seed. It will bring forth the kingdom of God. Amen. So in other words, do the Word. Do it, man. Don't be just hearers of it, deceiving your own selves, right? Do the word. So a metamorphosis of transformation of our lives in this word is not going to be complete until we fly like butterflies, in other words. We're soaring in the spirit, man. If the footmen have wearied you, Isaiah says, how in the world are you going to be able to run with the horsemen? We've got to be able to understand that this time is a critical time in our lives. Yeah. And if this world needs the kingdom of God, it needs the sons of God, the daughters of God to rise up and begin to proclaim righteousness in prayer, begin to proclaim and, and bring forth this word, amen, out into the world, amen. amen. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, for this tremendous, tremendous opportunity. I thank you, Lord God, for the gift of righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that you're beginning to help us understand what it means that judgment returns to righteousness. And I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that our minds are being transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. And that, how that, Father God, you're teaching us how that we need to die to ourselves daily, that we might take you up in our lives, take up our own cross, in other words, take up the, the re, re, renege the power to make our own choices and check in with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and see what you're saying to your church, your people. Thank you, Lord God, for this precious time and for these brothers and sisters here that are partaking, those that are partaking in the future. Father God, I thank you that you bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. For his suffering crown with glory and with grace, tasting death for all and by God's grace, given power to put all things in Holding all things by his